Father, there's much that we don't understand but what you mean. And we pray that as we open your word this morning, you would renew our minds, that we would indeed understand maybe some things that will inspire us this morning, that will touch our lives and transform us more into all that you purpose for us to be. So take us, Father, we pray, where we cannot naturally go, that we might bring you joy and that your power would be manifest in this place to the glory and honor of Jesus. Amen. So we're going through Acts. We're looking at Acts and the, the emerging church, the embryonic church. And we're seeing what we can learn from them. The early church had none of the advantages of uh, leadership and ministry today. Um, most of their leaders and ministers like Peter and John had jail records and no degrees. They couldn't translate Greek or Hebrew probably. Couldn't even write. They'd fail every selection committee completely, not even close. But they knew how to pray and they knew how to be open to God's Spirit in such a way that people got healed. And we saw last week and the week before about James and, uh, Peter and John walking to the temple on a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock and there's a crippled guy there who's been crippled for 40 years. And Peter says in the famous words, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus get up and walk. That's pretty potent. Graduate from a college who teaches you that and you'll be somewhere, right? So, we are sort of following on the consequences of this, uh, you know, crazy stunt that they did by healing a guy and it caused all kinds of upset in the community. And we saw last week too how Peter just doesn't get it. He's just not polite and he's not sensitive and he's not yes sir, no sir. He, he, he's quite a rude man. He spends all his time just saying, Jesus did this. What's your problem? And so how did Peter get to that place where he became this man who was willing to stand up against the greatest authorities in the church and in his experience and basically just go, do what you like, but I can't deny what I've seen and heard. Because a few weeks earlier, a little Galilean girl said, don't I recognize you? And he said, no, 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 I don't know Jesus. It's a big change. St. Augustine said about prayer, he said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. So interwoven into what we're looking at today is the themes of persecution, of prayer and of power. Praying is talking to God about what his agenda is for the moment we're in. That's why I'm saying at prayer meetings, it's really boring telling God what he already knows. John is sick, please heal him. And nothing happens, Johnny stays sick. So it's much more interesting to me that we press in to say, Lord, what are you saying about this at the time? Which means we need to listen and learn and hear. Because it's much more fun praying in Jesus' name, which means praying the prayers that Jesus would have us pray. Which is why we learn 
to build relationship with Jesus. So prayer is not an escape from responsibility. It is, as somebody said, our response to God's ability. And so what we have in these early times in in Acts is the confluence of life and circumstances, persecution, aggression, power, violence, uh, disciples trying to figure out what on earth they're doing while Jesus has gone to heaven. It's all mixed up. And if you and I are waiting for circumstances to align themselves and then we will live in peace with Jesus, (laughs) it won't happen. And we're going to be encouraged by that today, that even in the midst of total turmoil, God can manifest and be powerfully present. Because Peter was having to come to terms, as with the other disciples, with if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what else is possible? If he can appear to us, what does that mean? I mean, these guys hadn't got any New Testament scriptures. They were it. They didn't know where they were going. So, let's try and learn. This is exciting, right? You're all looking a bit dead, a bit dead. We've got to get you moving here. Not? All right. Well, I believe God can raise the dead, so. Pour <laughs> out your spirit, Lord. So the one thing you get in Acts that we've, we've looked at is that Jesus is very um, controversial. You go to university and you can, talk, you can have seminars on Buddha and you can have seminars on Islam. And when I was, a long, long, long time ago, when universities were still just beginning, I was at university and, and they would have this guy, I remember one guy from uh, India, it was time of the Beatles and the you know, Maharashi, whatever his name is, and they had some kid who was about 20 come and speak in Cape Town and he sat cross-legged on a stage and said very little. And the 2,000 people sort of went, oh. But you mention Jesus and there's all kind of conflicts. And you'll find the name of Jesus actually creates reaction in the Western world. It's quite intriguing. If you want to really believe in Jesus, just throw his name out as not as a swear word, but as something that's real, someone who is real. That name is a power that irritates people, which makes it quite fun. <laughs> And Peter was learning how to stand on the, the, the power of Jesus' name and watch the people react. And he just, I'm sure, smiled and said, well, deal with it. So Peter and John have been drawn into this place where they have uh, been brought before the Sanhedrin. This is before they went back and uh, prayed together with their buddies. I just want to sort of revisit a couple of things there. They came before the Sanhedrin, who were the, the council. They were the authority structure of the Jerusalem church. I mean, they, they had their roots back in Deuteronomy, where they were told, if any prophets come in... I mean, this is a good, actually, line, just as a side for extra. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about being prophets and being Old Testament, and they tend to have their model in Old Testament prophets. Well, it's really simple. If they prophesy something that doesn't come true, stone them to death. So if you want to be an Old Testament prophet, we'll be an Old Testament prophet, we'll stone you. It'll probably shut up a lot of people who are in Old Testament prophecy mode. Because Jesus came and gave a new style of prophecy that was built out of grace and mercy, not John the Baptist style, but that's another whole talk. 
It's just that Old Testament prophecy is easier to deliver because it's usually judgment and it's usually negative or it's the way we do anyway. It tends to be that. Uh, It's not of God. It's just what you have for breakfast and an attitude of childhood, I think. But that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about now. Other than that, the Sanhedrin were were given authority to evaluate and, and, and look after the spiritual heartbeat of the Jewish nation and therefore when teachers came out who claimed something, they had them brought before them and they discerned whether it was God or not. Until God came before them in Jesus, then they didn't discern a darn thing. And so they spoke to the people that, that, that Peter and John were brought up to, Caiaphas, uh, they, they named here Annas, Caiaphas, John Alexander, were, was the same group that a couple of months earlier Jesus had stood before. And when they were there, they smacked Jesus in the face and said, who the heck do you think you are? I mean, this was not a polite bunch of people. They were not gentle, meek, mild people. They knew their power and their authority and they said, don't mess with us. And so when Jesus came before them and it was, well, you go and talk to Pilate, it was, don't mess with us and basically kill you. And that's what happened to Jesus. Now these same people were the ones that John and Peter came in front of two months later. And Peter is standing there giving them a dissertation about the meaning of what's happened. What on earth has happened to Peter in two months? He couldn't answer to a servant girl and now he's answering to the highest, most powerful, most ruthless bunch of men in the nation. It's astounding. And listen to how they speak about it. Uh, By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to give an account today of an act of kindness showed for a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, that you and everyone else in Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way. Because Peter just can't resist. But whom God raised from the dead. And they, you see, the Sanhedrin didn't believe in the resurrection. So he was just twisting it a bit more. But whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you completely healed. And he goes on and then they say in verse uh, 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, non-regentized guys, they were ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What's wrong? I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. David, you've been with Jesus. Um... You could cancel right now, if you like, the uh, whole trip and just stay here. and That'd be a good, yeah? So, they, so since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. And that's really our greatest uh, challenge, I believe, is how does God impact and work through us in a way that the cripples stand beside us, and we are the cripples as well, and say, all I know is that Jesus touched my life and I am not the same person. That will change this valley, very simply. So, that's what we're talking about. And when we see Peter, we go, well Lord, if you can do it with Peter, why not with me? And he says, with pleasure with you. 
Get up and follow me. But I don't want to leave my motorboat. I don't want to leave my boat. I don't want to leave my fishing net. I don't want to leave my house. I don't. Well, then I guess you're not going to do what Peter did. Oh, I wanted Jesus in bed and breakfast. Served between 9 and 10 in the morning. You mean I've got to follow? Yeah, you've got to follow me. Oh. You want the power? We need the relationship. So we start where we are. It's not about guilt tripping. It's about building relationship to that place where we learn how to listen to Jesus and become effective for him. Because Peter and John were standing there saying, there is no other meaning in life. There is no other satisfaction in life. Fishing in Galilee isn't it for me. I'm willing to die. Because you guys, the Sanhedrin, have nothing but religion. What do they say? Verse 17. But to stop this thing from spreading. That's how they refer to it. This thing. You see, religion abstracts God into function and thing. Peter said, we are being imprisoned for an act of kindness to a cripple. That's the relationship and power of Jesus. You can always tell where Jesus is present because he does acts of kindness to cripples. Acts of kindness to people. That's what Christianity is meant to be about. Transformed lives, people who have had acts of kindness to them, passing on acts of kindness to others. And you can't fake acts of kindness. And they were so thrilled. Peter was so thrilled. You want to understand Peter? It's the same as you understand Paul. The heartbeat of Paul is found in the dust of Damascus. The heartbeat of Peter is found in the waters of Galilee. A broken men who have come to the ends of themselves, their own wisdom, finding the risen Lord Jesus who says, now let's start. So dearly beloved, it is no surprise that part of the journey is into brokenness. And brokenness is all about coming to the end of myself. And coming to the end of myself I don't do easily. I whisper like Peter into Jesus' ear, no, 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 not that way, let's do it this way. And Jesus loves us enough to say, do it your way and I'll meet you at the other side. I'll pick you up when you're finished. I speak of that which I know. I spent eight years wrestling with God. Angry with God. And he loves, but he, he's a pain. He won't move. Truth is truth is truth is truth. And really, I don't care how much you cry about it, John. I wish it were not so, but it seems to be the way it is. So this is exciting. You want the power of God? We have to be broken. You want to know the life of Jesus? You have to die. This is good news, right? Look at you. Your lives aren't that great. What the hell do you want to keep on for it? <laughs> what are you holding on to? Save all your money and your kids will spend it. So look back at Mark. This is encouraging. If you look back at Mark, chapter 9, what do you learn here? They came, they came to a place. You see, Jesus says, leave your fishing boats and come and follow me. All right? Come and walk on land. What's he saying to Peter? A guy like Peter... His whole life is on the water. He says, come and work on the land. He's totally out of de his depth, his comfort zone. 
He knows about boats, not about walking. So be encouraged. You are going to. If you, take, if you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. He's going to stretch. He's going to challenge. He's going to take you out of your comfort zone. Relax with it. Learn to enjoy the learning, as somebody said. Take yourself with a pinch of salt and go, man, I'm struggling with this. But that's not the end of the world. Just struggle with it. And so anyway, they came, they came to... Uh, you know, this guy had come up to the disciples with his epileptic son, foaming at the mouth, saying, please heal him. We hear you guys are good. And Peter's in that crowd and they, they go, blah, 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 and nothing happens. And they're looking like fools. And everybody's getting exasperated and I wonder what some people are saying. They're probably not making the very nice remarks. You can imagine some, oh yeah? <laughs> what do you got? Go back to fishing, man. And Jesus uh, comes along and says, what are you, what are you arguing about? Because you know, if you've been in the Middle East, they're not quiet. Everything is crazy. And they would have been arguing. And he says, Teacher, I brought my son, and these guys basically can't do anything. And Jesus smiles, I'm sure, at them and says, Oh, unbelieving generation. And he speaks, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And the boy is brought to him, writhing and all the rest, and he casts out a spirit, a demonic spirit. Interesting, though, he says something to. What, what do we hear in, in that uh, passage? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Why do you think that's there? See, I think we spiritualize Jesus. Jesus was fully human. And he was operating under the same gifting of the Holy Spirit that is available to you and me. Which means he didn't have absolute knowledge as a human being. So that was a genuine question. Now, if you want to sort of spin the to a particular theology, you can say, well, he just was asking because he was helping teach the disciples. I don't believe that. I think he genuinely was saying, how long has this been going on? He had words of knowledge and he had discernment to say, this man has got a demon that needs to be delivered. And he also had a word of knowledge later on about his own death and he spoke about that. But what he was demonstrating was the power of God encountering uh, the power of evil. Now, why am I referring to this here? Because this is part of Peter and John's training. There was a time when they faced somebody with a problem and they didn't have anything to do. They couldn't do anything. They didn't know how to. So when they came into Acts, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they came to the man who was crippled, God spoke to them and said, Now is the time for that man. And they said, Get up and walk. They showed an authority and a power that they didn't have. And to, to learn how to stand before that cripple and say, Look at me. Get up and walk. I don't have silver and gold, but God says, Be healed. They had to walk the road with Jesus and make mistakes and learn. To me, that's an encouraging word. Because too often we want to get to the cripple healing bit without the three years of you know, praying over people or trying and seeing what happens and learning and having to dial down and say, I'm getting in the way and learning about myself. That's part of it. God's about learning, healing us up, teaching us, building us in our character along the way. It's not just about playing with spiritual gifts because we're dangerous. We're dangerous with power. 
We're dangerous with the things of God. So he's got to humble us and keep us at a place where we don't mess around with what is his. So a church that's full of power and full of the presence of God is a church that's also full of people who know what it means to be broken. They know who is God. The Sanhedrin, therefore, in Acts, was a bunch of people who wanted to keep God in the control of their own organizational structures. And they were, you have this contrast, the, the Galilean fisherman with a cripple who's healed, being the church that Jesus is raising up, and the establishment that says, what's this thing doing? Let's move on to one other aspect. Peter stood there because the Lord had turned his whole world upside down. And they prayed, they came back, uh, I'm just skipping down to the believer's prayer in Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth take their stand and their rulers uh, gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And what they're doing is they're saying, you know, we went through this uh, ordeal with the Sanhedrin, we nearly got ourselves in trouble, but God saved us and brought us out of that. And they go back into the trenches and they report to the other believers because they're part of a group. They're not lone rangers, they're not solo Christians. They're part of a community and they're accountable to that community so they come back and report to that community. And they give an account of what's happened and there was this urgency in them. And they raised their voices and they prayed together. And what did they pray? They prayed affirming who God is. I mean, I would have gone back and gone, man, I don't want to go out there again which would be the same as the people who went to scout the promised land that God was about to give. And ten of them came back and said, those people look like giants and we look like grasshoppers. That's how I would have prayed. Oh God, oh God, change the circumstances. Kill them. Do something about the circumstances. Lord, when there's peace in the land, we'll go out again, but be sure you're telling us to just bunker down for a while. None of that. None of that. And none of that for the next hundred years. What did they pray? If you read, if you read um, and we went to it now, Psalm 2, it's all about the authority of God. It's all about the authority of God that rules over the nations. And so they pulled that back out of the scripture because one of the lessons we learned from these Acts passages is Peter spoke the word of God. It wasn't just miracles, it wasn't just emotion, it was rooted in the Word and he brought that Word out again and again. He was learning. If anybody knew how fickle emotions were, it was a Peter. It got him into trouble all the time. 
who's learning the strength and the power of the promises of God. You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to get into the Word of God. My feelings are way too polluted and way too up and down to trust. And so they prayed out of that psalm too. Sovereign God, you are the Lord of all creation. And these men who we've stood before and who think they have authority, Lord, we know that their authority is merely a a transition phase in life and it's very, very subject to you. Somebody said this about prayer because this is the, the sort of where the, this whole thing is coming together I hope for you and for me and that is they asked for God's will to be done on earth as it is done in heaven. They asked for God to empower them not for escape. They didn't ask for the circumstances to change and they didn't ask for their enemies to be put out of office. Someone said, uh, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. It's a very different feel. The prayer of uh, Peter and his brethren in that early church. They addressed God as sovereign Lord, as the one who had raised Jesus from the dead and who they knew could do anything. They believed in God's sovereignty and His purpose. They believed they had responsibility. And their responsibility was to be faithful, to witness and to pray and to proclaim Jesus as Lord, irrespective of whether they died or were in prison. It was totally rooted on their relationship with God and their confidence in Jesus, not on their circumstances. If you and I look at our lives, we might find that an enormous part of our relationship with God and an enormous part of our relationship with Jesus is rooted in our circumstances. If our circumstances are good, then it's easy. I remember at university, I, used to, uh, I was embarrassed because when I struggled financially, I used to say, oh Lord, what? And I noticed that when I had no money, my faith was less. You know, you can talk this stuff, but when you live it, the truth comes out. You've got to face your own heart. You've got to face your own belief. You've got to face your stuff and then just acknowledge it and say, Lord, give me power to trust you when I have nothing. And how do you get that kind of faith? You get that kind of faith when you have nothing. You don't get that kind of faith when you have stuff. So they did not ask for protection. They asked for power from God. They did not ask for fire from heaven to destroy their enemy, but for power from heaven to preach the word and to heal the sick. They had been brought before the, the authorities, nearly finished. They had been brought before the authorities because they healed a cripple, an act of kindness. What do they go back and pray for? More! Lord, we want to heal more cripples. We want to make these guys even more mad. Isn't that a change? We want to offend Port Alberni, Jesus, with you and your power more and more and more. We want to stir up a hornet's nest here and make them all crazy. That's authority, that's power, that's proclaiming. Instead of, oh God, please just keep us all safe. Which is, tends to be our cultural mentality, right? Well, Jesus can change that. They wanted boldness in front of opposition. 
Not arrogance, boldness. They wanted the name of Jesus to be honored. And you know, God really liked their prayer book because he shook the place to bits and he said, here's my spirit, go for it. Go and live and die. And that's what they did. Most of them in that room probably died before they were meant to, by the sword or by the cross or by some violent means. But they also lived. I don't want to romanticize that beyond. Pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, and above all, pray. What's your prayer this morning? What are you looking for this morning? Maintenance or power to live? Are you looking for God to work with you or are you looking for God to work through you? Do you want to see the cripples heal? Do you like to be somebody who goes through uh, one of the markets in town and somebody's sick and you say, well, and God speaks to you and he says, tell them to be healed, I love them. Wouldn't that be cool? Do you think people would talk about that? So if you want that, you've got a present with Jesus in the hidden places. So he can say, okay, I trust you. I trust you with my power. You've got to earn that. The disciples earned it. It's fun earning it. It can be fun earning it. And that's what will change the world. Human beings, one at a time, people like you and me, saying, Lord, teach us. Not afraid to be broken, not afraid to be humbled, not afraid to be weak, not afraid to be wrong. Just saying, Jesus, what would you do? Teach us how to do that stuff. It's the only reason I'm here, because the other stuff sure is not very attractive. But how we do it, I don't know, other than Jesus, here we are. So, let's pray. So what does Jesus want to share with you and me now? What do you want from Jesus? His answer to, you, to us is yes. His answer to us is the same as he gave to the older brother when the prodigal son came home. And the older brother said, what about me? And Jesus said, the father said, All that I have is yours. Everything I have. Rejoice because this one who is dead is is here. And Jesus and the Father say to you and me, Everything I have is yours. Everything. I hold nothing back to enable you to have life and have it in power and abundantly. But I do call you to follow me. And I call you to listen to me and obey me. I'm gracious. And there may be some of us here who are like the cripple, who we're crying out to God and we say, give us some money. And God wants to respond and say, I've got more than money, I'll give you life. His perspectives are so much richer. 
Maybe there are circumstances in our lives that we feel like that cripple who's been, it's been 40 years, it's been so long, and we've just accepted the situation and we just say, oh God, help me survive. And the sovereign God might breathe down and say, you know, I've come to bring you life, not survival. Receive my spirit. Lord, for any who are crying out to you like that, pray now that your spirit would be breathed upon them. That you raise them up in faith to stand, to know the power of the risen Lord Jesus. Take his hand and find victory. We're not playing games here, Lord. We're not just talking empty words. We're talking about the power of the living God. He has promised that when, when we gather in his name, he is present. And so we pray, Jesus, that you, the risen Lord, who broke through walls and spoke to those early disciples and accepted them in their doubts and their unbeliefs, you ministered to them and you brought them to places where they were bold. And we pray the same today, that you would break through the walls of our lives and our hearts and you would open our eyes to see you and open our ears to hear you. Make our hearts yearn for you, hunger for you, so that we can bring change into this valley because of your name. Maybe some of us are ashamed of your name. We don't know how to speak of you. For those of us who want boldness, Lord, will you pour out your Spirit and give boldness? A boldness and confidence in who we are as Christians. A boldness in our relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you that you don't accuse, you don't condemn but you do convict us of sin that gets in the way. You do convict us of our selfishness. So where we're convicted, we bring that to the cross and ask you to forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, for our rebellion or our unbelief or our cynicism. Or even we've tried this before and it didn't work. Well, God, you've been around for a long time and you've seen most things. You've seen everything. Raise up faith, we pray, for those of us who are struggling for faith to believe. Receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God for you. Just breathe in deeply and receive. It's not about feelings, it's about God's promise. If you want his spirit, if you want his presence, if you want his love, receive it. Thank him for it. He loves you, he delights in you, you're one of his favorites. That's how he sees you. And he wants this life to be fun and joyful, even in the midst of incompleteness and mystery and suffering. It's not his purpose for us to suffer, it's just part of life. The kingdom of God on this earth is about the in-between time. There are glimpses of his kingdom in healing and there's glimpses of his healing in the spirit in somebody when they're dying. There's no magic here. It's about the purposes of God in a fallen world that give hope for the world to come. And if you're sick and if you've got something that's wrong with you or somebody that you know that you need healing, bring that to the Lord.
Bring people you know to the Lord. Don't ask him to just heal them. Say, Lord, how do you want me to be part of that? Because he's going to say to some of us, go and lay hands on them and pray. Father, pray that you'd release your healing in this body in greater power. Pray for those who are sick right here, right now, that your spirit will anoint them. And that you will come against evil, you will come against sickness, you will come against darkness and bring your light. We proclaim your victory over the evil one, over Satan, who deceives and destroys. Pray, proclaim freedom to the captives. Come in power, Holy Spirit. Heal limbs, heal hearts, heal minds, heal families, heal marriages, heal children, heal parents. We're not messing around, Lord. We want to know the power of the risen Lord Jesus. Give us boldness to press in with that, Lord. To ask questions like they did when the demonic wasn't healed. Why, Lord? And then to hear you as you respond. Lord, make this stuff come alive. Because that's your heart's desire. People who know the living Lord Jesus, his power and his presence day by day. Transforming lives. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying, Father. Bring before the Lord people who you know that need the Lord, the love of the Lord, the light of the Lord today. So we come before you as uh, God, as one who is able to raise the dead, heal the sick, uh, has defeated death. Is the same yesterday and today and forever. We pray for more of you in our lives. We pray for those who are not here today, who are part of our body, that you would just keep them safe, bless them, surround them with your presence and your life. And continue to teach us what it means to be followers and disciples of Jesus. That we too might be bold for you, Jesus, because we've been touched by you in a way that we cannot deny or resist. So we bless you and we praise you. We worship you, we honor you. And as we come to break bread at your table, we pray that you would feed us in spirit and in truth. That our hearts would beat inside us with an excited passion for you, Jesus. Pray that this week some people might say to us, what's different about you? Something's changed. And we'll be able to say it's because God is alive in me. Jesus is real. In your name, Lord, we pray. With expectancy, passion, power. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. A little bit more conviction than that, please. Amen. 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 Let's stand up and we're going to say the Apostles' Creed for which our brothers and sisters died.
And all we have to do is stand up. We got that up there? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now don't get overwhelmed with this stuff. Merely just say, Jesus, here I am. I want to go on a long walk with you. And uh, what's the next step for me? It's pretty simple. So let's share the peace today just because it might be a good thing to do and encourage one another. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, Leoba. I want it more than that. I want a oh, big, big yeah. Chicago hug. Peace be with you. Oh, that'd be like shit. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, you, you, are, you are peace, be, peace be with you. Don't break you. Eh? Yeah, careful. Peace be with you. Sorry to keep you awake. Let's see. Mm. Peace be with you. Peace be with you too. You got it. Peace be with you. Hi, nice to see you. Peace be with you. Hi, peace be with you. Yes, yes. And you, Craig? Yes, Craig. Yes, you. Peace be with you. Whoa, you know what? I still got this. I'm recording the piece.